John chapter 8, 31 to 36. It says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say the truth we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Verily, verily, I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave of sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but the son belongs to it forever. So if the Son of Man sets you free, you shall be free indeed. Father, I give you praise for your word that is about to change our lives. I give you praise because your word cannot come and go back forward because it has a purpose to be accomplished. Let this word flourish in every heart. And may we leave this place blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, I started a series that was based out of John chapter 14, verse 6, which says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And I said, God gave me a revelation from this text because I always read it and I thought that Jesus was just trying to express to people that he was the only way to heaven. But then the Lord started showing me that if you, have, if you find a way, you need to find the truth before you can experience the life. Can I say that again? When you find a way, you need to find the truth that will give you access to the life. That is why there are believers who have found a way that is Jesus, but they are not experiencing the life that God has given to them because they have not found the truth. Some people found religion, some found churches, some found connections, some found pastors, but they didn't find the truth. And that is why they cannot fully enjoy the life that God has given to them. There are believers in Christ who are still oppressed by the enemy, tormented by sickness, you know, cast down by everyday situation because they have not found the truth that sets them free. So last week we talked about the way and today I want to talk to you about the means to eternal life. The means to eternal life. And I said to you last Sunday that eternal life is not something you are going to get when you die. Eternal life has been given to you. Jesus said, the Son of Man came that you may have life and have it what? In abundance. It is not something you are going to have when you die. If you are a believer in Christ, you have eternal life. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell somebody by your side, you have eternal life. Tell anybody you got it. Tell anybody you got it. You have eternal life. You are not saying it like you are in church. I, I don't know where you slept last night. Tell somebody, you have eternal life. Hallelujah. Amen. There were three people that went to touch an elephant. Three blind men. They all went to touch an elephant. And the goal of this journey was to describe what an elephant looks like. The first blind man that came touched the elephant by the belly. And he said, an, ele an elephant is like a wall because he kept touching a surface. And he described it after and said, an elephant is like a wall. Then the second man came. And held the elephant by the leg. And then after he went and said, the elephant is like a tree. It's a big stem of tree. And then the third person came and touched the elephant by the tail. And he said, the elephant is like a snake. Now these people were all right. And they were all wrong. Because what they were able to describe was based on their perspective. 
They were right in whatever they experienced, but that was not the truth about the elephant. There is something when we talk about the means, there is always a statement that people have used that said, the end justifies the means. And what they mean by this is this. It doesn't matter the method that I use, as long as I obtain a good result at the end, it is justified. But I want to say this to you, in the kingdom of God, it is the means that justifies the end. Can I say it again? It is the means that justifies the end. What does that mean? If you steal money and build a church, you are still going to hell. Can I say it again? If you steal money and sponsor 100 pastors to Bible school, you are still going to hell. Because the end does not justify the means. In the kingdom of God, the means justifies the end. Now, what, what am I saying in practicals? It is the life you live as a Christian that is going to justify where you end. Can I say it again? It is the life you live as a Christian that is going to justify where you end. Because some of us say, it doesn't matter what I do right now, I am going to end up in heaven. I can be a thief, I can be a liar, I can do whatever I want to do, I am going to end up in heaven. It is important to understand that God has established a means for us to get to eternity. And this morning I want to share with you how you can walk through this means that the Lord has given to you in order to get to eternity. And the subject of this text that we read is truth. There are many things people have said about truth. Some people say that truth is relative. Like these people were touching the elephant. Whatever they touch was their opinion. Anytime you say something today, people tend to think that that is your opinion. Even when it comes to teachings from the Bible, many pastors have different opinions about certain doctrines in the scriptures. But let me tell you, the truth, the word of God is not relative. It is absolute. Take it or leave it. When it says, thou shall not steal, thou shall not steal was thou shall not steal 2,000 years ago. Thou shall not steal is still thou shall not steal today. And thou shall not steal shall be thou shall not steal 2,000 years after. Because it is not relative. It is absolute. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Somebody said, truth is like the sun. You can cover it, but it's not going anywhere. You know, you can take an umbrella or a canopy and protect the sun. But the sun will still be in the sky. So that's why I say you can cover the truth, you can bury the truth, but the truth will always germinate. It will always surface because you can't cover the truth. Another man of God who is called Thomas, Eric said, Stop hanging out with people who tell you what you want to hear. Hang out with people that can tell you the truth. And that is why in this dispensation, if you go to churches where pastors tell people what they want to hear, there's a lot of crowds. Can I say it again? Because people are looking for something that will make them feel good. Something that will make them feel nice. But not the truth. As I'm talking to you now, some of you are very uncomfortable because I'm telling the truth. But if I was telling you, you are going to prosper. You will buy a new car. You will get a new house. You will be all high. But it is this truth that is going to dictate where you end. Is somebody telling me this morning? This is the means to the end. It is this truth that is going to determine whether you end up in hell or in heaven. But if you go to places where they tell you, oh, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, the Lord loves you, nobody is judging you, you are going to heaven regardless, you are prosperous, you are successful, you are a champion, you are a daughter of Zion, you are a prince of heaven, and you leave the church feeling good in your sins. 
The truth is what sets you free. Is somebody hearing me this morning? The truth is not for all men, but only for those who seek it. What does that mean? You can go to church. If you are not seeking for the truth, you will never get the truth. That is why there are certain revelations that God will not give to you until you incline your heart to seek the truth. Then God will give you that revelation. From the text we read this morning, Jesus said to the Jews who believe, it's important to understand that, like I said, there is, if there is anything that is deficient in the church today, it is people who are not believing. They hear, but they do not believe. We hear a lot of teachings, we hear a lot of things from the Lord, but we do not believe. You know, belief is what is going to change you from every other Christian. What does it mean to believe? Belief is not just to know something in your head. What you do is what shows what you believe. So if you say you know it and you're not able to do it, you don't, you don't believe in that thing. And then Jesus said, if you hold my teachings, then you truly be my disciples. Like I said, teaching is so absent in the church today. Most of the places where people gather today is for prophecies, for miracles. People are not actually seeking to be taught or to be informed. They want to go to places where they can get good church music, the good choir can sing, then the pastor come and say something good every Sunday, and then they leave the church feeling good. Nobody wants to know the truth. But if you are going to prosper as a Christian, you need to seek for the truth. Hallelujah. Because only the truth can set you free. And then the Jews answered him saying, we are Abraham's descendants. What are you talking about? Who is, who is in bondage? Our father was Abraham. How can we be in bondage? And this is what the Lord showed me, which I've always told you. God has no grandchildren. All God has is children. Can I say it again? God has no grandchildren. All God has is children. What does that mean? Even my son cannot base his relationship to God because of me. He has to have a direct connection to God. The church you go to cannot help you connect to God. You have to have a personal relationship with God. If somebody heard me this morning, this is why you hear all these teachings where people pray today, the God of my father, the God of Apostle this, the God of Bishop that. All those things are trying to create another intermediary which Jesus Christ already created for man to have a connection to heaven. Jesus is the only bridge between man and heaven. No man should take the place of God to establish a connection between man and heaven. I can help you enhance your relationship with God, but I can never help be a connection between you and God. God has no grandchildren. God only has children. They say we are children of Abraham because they thought if Abraham had a connection with God, because we are his children, we also have a connection with God. It doesn't work like that. We all have to have a connection with God. Amen. We all have a connection with God. They say, how can you say we shall be set free? In their minds, they thought that Jesus was talking about physical captivity. But Jesus was talking about mental captivity. You can be set free physically, but not set free in your mind. May I show you from the scriptures? The Israelites were set free from Egypt, but their minds were never free from Egypt. That is why in the wilderness, when they had a little difficulty, they went back to Moses and said, We were better off in Egypt. Where we had garlics and cucumber to eat. 
Because even though they were free physically, their minds were still in captivity in Egypt. God can set you free, but if your mind is not free, you will always be in captivity. Freedom starts in the mind. Your deliverance starts in the mind. Your prosperity starts in the mind. Your breakthrough starts in the mind. If you don't think right, you can never live right. Can I say it again? If you don't think right, you can never live right. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, are you free? Are you really free? Ask your neighbor, neighbor, are you really free? Are you really free? Amen. Amen. Do you know, let me say this to you. Do you know that many black people in this country have been free from, free from slavery, but they still think that the white man is superior? Can I say it again? They have been free many years from captivity, but we still think that the white man is superior. And I say this to you in practice. There was a guy that was studying in Belgium, and then he had to go back into his home country in Africa to do an internship. And this guy's name was what a Jean-Claude something. And then when he wrote back to his embassy of his country, he said, I'm coming for an intention. They prepared him an office with air conditions. And the place was so beautiful. They prepared him a hotel and everything. Then the day was to arrive. They had people at the airport who were lined up with cars to receive him. When the guy stepped out of the plane, the people kept looking, thinking somebody else was coming. And then he came out like, I'm Jean-Claude. And they were all disappointed because in their minds, they were expecting a white man. So this office is deserving of a white man, but not your black brother. Because in their minds, even though we are free from slavery, we still hold them with very high esteem. We are free physically, but our minds are not free. Until you are delivered in your mind, you can't be free physically. Hallelujah. Amen. We have to be free in our minds. And the guy was so shocked to know that his own people treated him like that because he wasn't a white man. There are some of you here today. If you were working for a black man, you disrespect that man. But if it was a white man, you'd be like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because in your mind, you are not free yet. Even though you've been free physically. May God give us freedom. Amen. I say, may God give us freedom. Amen. In the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sins is a slave of sin. Listen, until you conquer sin, you are a slave of sin. Now, when we say Jesus is law, what does that mean? It means Jesus controls every area of my life. Now, if Jesus is not controlling some areas of your life, then Jesus is not Lord of your life because it is either Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Can I say it again? It is either Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Jesus cannot be a partial Lord over your life. He has to be Lord in your family, Lord at your job, Lord in your spiritual life, Lord in your finances, Lord over everything that you do. He can't be Lord in some areas. He has to be Lord of all. So until you conquer sin, you are still a slave of sin. And the Bible says that you have no permanent place in the family. Only sons have a permanent place in the family. Like slaves have no place in the kingdom of God. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 it says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me in my throne. Just as I am victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Only those who are victorious over sin are going to sit with Christ in his throne. 
But this morning, what therefore does it mean? What therefore is the means to eternal life? Jesus said this in John that we read verse 31 and 32. He said, to the Jews who believe, he said to them, if you hold my teaching, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples. So the first thing that we, that we're talking about this morning is holding on to the truth. Holding on to the truth. That is a means to eternal life. Holding on to the truth. I want to say holding on to the truth. I'm not saying write something on a sticker on a billboard and hold it close to yourself and say, I'm holding the truth. No. Holding on to the truth. What does that mean? You are willing to die for what is right, no matter the circumstances, no matter how it feels, no matter the inconveniences. You are willing to do what is right and live by what is right. Because Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, then you are truly my disciples. What does it mean to hold the truth? Listen, the truth does not live in your head. Because to many of us, our mind is a museum. We have all kinds of information we have received, but it's not seen in our actions. When you hold the truth, the truth lives in your actions. The truth is expressed in your actions. That is the only way the truth lives. Take, for example, if you caught a very good animal and you close that animal in a one, one, uh, one meter square uh, box cage and the animal was not able to express itself outside, I'll tell you in a very short while the animal will die. Many of us suppress the truth because we have built a box with the things we know in our minds. But it is not expressed by the way we live. For, for you to hold the truth means that you are going to express whatever you know by your actions, by your words. Truth should be seen on your legs. Truth should be seen in your hands. Truth should be seen by the things you say. If you hold my teaching, then you are my disciples. So you are not a disciple because you come to church. You are not a disciple because you go to a non-denominational church. You are not a disciple because you are Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist or Episcopal or Church of God in Christ. You are a disciple because you hold the truth. Hallelujah. You hold the truth. If somebody stepped into this building today and said, like they have always said in comedies, all those who want to die for Jesus this way, and all those who want to live this way, if you are willing to die for Jesus, you get, you get a gunshot in your head and you die. For those who want to leave, you can leave the building. Many of us will leave this church. Because we have not held the truth. When a man has embraced the truth, you are willing to die for that truth. Hallelujah. You are willing to die for that truth. I was watching a movie the other day that was very convicting. This guy was an inspector of police. And there was a gang in town that was in charge of all police car robbery and everything that was going on in town. And this guy was trying to clean up the corruption. And the guy's wife was in the hospital dying of cancer. And he needed money to fly him abroad for the treatment. And he did not have the money. All he did was trusting God that something was going to happen because he did not have the money for the treatment of his wife. Then the mafia group in town sent him $500,000 bribe in order to cover the case that he was investigating. This money could have helped him to treat the wife in the hospital. But this guy refused the money, gave it back to the mafia group, and the wife died in the hospital. And I said, this is a man 
who is willing to die for the truth. Now, to be sincere to yourself, how many of us in this church would have given that money back and allow your husband to die or your wife to die? You'd have said, well, God will forgive me after. I will take the money after I will confess. Because you don't hold the truth. When a man has embraced the truth, when a man has the truth, you are willing to die for that truth. You are willing to live for that truth no matter the cost. Is somebody here this morning? Ask your neighbor, neighbor, do you have the truth? As you ask your neighbor, neighbor, do you have the truth? Embracing the truth. I always say this, and I keep saying it again. Many believers are willing to do anything to succeed. You go to an office and say, just sign here. Don't look at the number, just sign. You are willing to sign because you don't care about the truth. You can cover the truth. You can suppress the truth, but the truth will always live. Amen. Amen. You have to embrace the truth. Live by the truth. I told you some time ago that there are two kinds of knowledge in the Greek. There is first what they call the gnosko. Or the first, the gnosis. Gnosis is head knowledge. I like this analogy I always use. When a young lady who has never given birth or a man says that, labor pain, labor is painful, they are talking from gnosis because they never experienced labor pain. You just say what you imagine. Has any man here been in labor before? Any man? Can you share with us how it feels? We only hear how the women cry. And we imagine that if the, this man can cry like this, who has never cried before, this thing is painful. And therefore, labor pain is painful. Now we are talking from gnosis, head knowledge. Knowledge that you know, but you can apply. Like many of us in this place, we did physics in school. We did Newton's law of motions, Archimedes law of flotation, but how many of you have ever applied that thing before? Head knowledge. It has never been useful in anything in your life. Head knowledge. But there is another kind of knowledge which is called gnosko. Gnosko is experiential knowledge. When a woman comes out from the labor room and says it was painful, she is not talking from gnosis, she is talking from gnosko because she experienced the pain. When the Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, it's not talking about the truth that you know or the truth you have heard. It is talking about the truth that you are able to practice. So if you know righteousness and don't practice righteousness, it won't set you free. If you know holiness and you don't practice holiness, it won't set you free. It is the truth that you practice that will set you free. Amen. Can I talk to somebody this morning? It is the truth that you practice that will set you free. And as I'm talking to you, there is something that psychologists have described as what they call cognitive dissonance. And what that means is that you are receiving something that is the truth. And because you hold another opinion, there is not a clash in your mind between the new information that you are receiving and the one that you hold. And so what many people do in order not to feel guilty is that they create a division, a demarcation in their minds between the truth and what they hold. So they don't feel guilty. That is why anytime, for example, they talk about giving in church, and many people don't hold the opinion of giving, they will create something or a philosophy in their mind to create a separation between what they are hearing and what they hold in order not to feel guilty. They'll say, after all, God doesn't need my money. They say all these things to create that demarcation not to feel guilty. This is why uh, psychologists call it cognitive dissonance. You try to separate what you know from the truth. Your behavior does not match your actions. You believe something else, but you practice something else. 
You know this is the truth, but you do something else. You are separating your actions from your truth. But if you are going to be saved and experience the life that God has called you to live, your actions have to match what you believe. Amen. Your actions have to match what you believe. Amen. No matter how difficult it is, no matter what you experience, no matter the inconveniences, your actions have to match what you believe. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23, it says, Buy the truth and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. So if you are going to make it and live the life that God has called you to live, you have to embrace the truth. Live by the truth. Hallelujah. Live by the truth. No, we live in a dispensation where lies are more celebrated than the truth. For example, if I was a young man today and I was about to marry and I wore my shorts and I came to Lena and said, Well, my name is Clement. I work at Walmart as a, as a chef stalker. And I, I'm really in love. I want to marry you. That girl will curse me out. Who do you take me for? A whole me. A whole this package. <laughs> That's a whole me. But if, I, if that same guy went and rented a car from a dealership and borrowed a suit from men's warehouse and dressed good and said, I'm really in love with you. Without you even verifying if this car is his car, or his clothes is wearing his clothes, you say, oh, oh, I've been waiting for you. Because we are so inclined to lies than the truth. We are deceived by physical appearance. And many of us like to put up an appearance that we don't merit. Like, for example, you like to dress in a way to impress. But who you are behind what you wear is nothing. You're living a lie. If you are going to make it and live the life that God has called you to live, you have to be yourself. Embrace the truth. Live out the truth. It may be difficult to live, but God will always reward the truth. Amen. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were before the fire. The king said, bow. I just thought it's simple. I'm not asking you to kill somebody. I'm not asking you to steal. Just bow. And you'll say, they said, my king, let it be known to you that even if our God does not deliver us, we will not bow. These are men who held the truth. They were willing to die for the truth. How many of us today would have been thrown into the fire? They said, well, it's just a simple bow. Just a simple bow. What is there? Just a simple bow. But that bow meant a lot to them who held the truth. There are some of you who know the things that are wrong, but you still do them because it's just a simple, just a simple movie, just a simple signature, just a simple $500. It's not anything to bear. A man who holds the truth, everything counts. Hallelujah. Embrace the truth. Hold the truth. And live by the truth. And that truth is going to set you free. Once you have this truth, listen, the enemy has no place in your life. The reason why the enemy is still oppressing and attacking many of us is because there are loopholes in our lives. If you've ever lived in a house that has a leak before, a leak, there's a thing, but there's small leaks. Who has lived in a house like that before? Many of you are so rich, you don't, you, you've never suffered before, so you can't, you can't understand what I'm saying. If you've ever lived in a house that had a leak, where you have to take a bucket and put it in the center of the living room to collect the water, that is how, that is how lies create holes for the devil in our, in our lives. You are a believer, but there are holes in your life. And through those holes, the devil can still have access to oppress you. But when the devil comes around, he looks at your finances, no lie. He looks at your spiritual life, no lie. He looks at your marriage, no lie. 
He looks at your children, no lie. There is no way for him to get, to get it. He walks away. But when he comes, your taxes last year was all a lie. You put figures that were not true. Oh, they never said, oh, this is a hole for me. Before you know it, you are struggling at your job. You are struggling your finances because there is a hole for the devil. He comes to your marriage. There is something you did that you were hiding. There is a secret that you did that you were hiding. That becomes a hole for the enemy. Before you know it, there is fighting your marriage. There is difficulties because a hole has been created for the enemy. But when you live by the truth, there is nothing to fear. That is why Jesus could say, the devil has no place in me. Because he was the truth. Any believer who is living a lie, there is a door in your life for the enemy. So if you are going to experience the life that God has called you for, you have to live the truth. Embrace the truth. And that truth will make you free. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. That truth will make you free. Let me ask you a question. If a device is manufactured today, that when that device is placed on your skull, it reveals all your secrets. How many of you will accept that device to, to be placed on you? How many of you? Like everything you've ever done, maybe since you got married, or everything you've done as a woman, as a man, what's the place on your head? It's abortion. <laughs> you know, it tells everything you've done. How many of you will use that device? Very few because we live a lie. A lot of lies. We're not willing to bring out the truth. Once you start to live by the truth, that's where true freedom comes. Hallelujah. True freedom is found in the truth. Embrace the truth. Live by the truth. Tell the truth. Speak the truth. Live out the truth. And that truth will make you free. Amen. Amen. That truth will make you free. Amen. Amen. Is somebody being blessed this morning? Yes. I can keep going, but let me close this morning by saying this. If you are going to experience the fullness of life that God has given to you, you have to surrender your mind to the Lord. Now, there are many believers in the Lord who have not surrendered their minds to the Lord. And this is what I, I have. I've experienced as a pastor. Most educated people have a difficulty completely trusting the Lord. Can you imagine trying to explain creation to somebody that studied philosophy? He studied evolution and can prove evolution back and forth. Then you are trying to tell the person God created the world. Because of their extensive study, it is difficult for them to fully embrace the truth because what you are saying does not match what they know or what they believe. When you tell a man, give to the Lord and the Lord will give it back to you, it doesn't make sense because in the world, we have to accumulate, we have to save, we have to invest in order to get more. So when you tell a man who is so used to you know, the idea of savings, and which is good, that you have to give in order to receive. It doesn't make sense because when you give, it's subtracting. How can subtracting become addition? It doesn't make sense mathematically. And that is why most people don't believe because what they hear does not agree with their logic of education. So you come to God with a mind that is already occupied with six gigabytes. And you want God to fill that mind with nine gigabytes. God said, no, I need more space. You need to create more space in your mind so I can fill it with the information that I have. So these are the options. Give me all your mind so I can fill it or steal your six gigabyte. That's why you have people who never grow spiritually because in their minds, they are not giving God a place to fill them with information. But this morning you can say, God, I come to you and I give you my mind. 
Teach me the truth. Show me the truth. Help me to live out the truth. Jesus said, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God as a little child cannot enter the kingdom of God. Because whatever you tell a little child, they believe. If I tell my son today that one plus one is three, I don't, it will take a teacher difficulties to convince him that it's two. Because whatever the father says is true. Once you come to God and say, God, whatever you say is true. It doesn't matter what I studied or what I used to know. I choose to believe you. That is when you start experiencing freedom in Christ. This morning you can surrender your mind to the Lord and say, God, I give you my mind. Teach me. Let me learn from you. Let me follow. I'll give away my education, my experiences, the things that I know. Reveal yourself to me. Let me know you for who you are. Let me live the life you want me to live in the name of Jesus. Can we all stand up this morning? Teach me, my father. I don't know what you heard this morning, but you can talk to the Lord. I say, Lord, I give you my mind. I free every space, everything I have known, everything I've learned, I give it away. That is why Nicodemus came to Jesus. And Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, What do you mean? Do I have to enter into my mother's belly and come out? Because he was using his education to reason the word of God. Until you come to God as a child, you cannot get revelation from the scriptures. Because these things is not for the educated. The Bible says, God is using the foolish things of this world to confront the wise. Until you choose to become foolish, you can't get true revelation. Tell the Lord this morning, Lord, I give you my mind. I surrender all to you. I empty all that I know for you to teach me. Somebody talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord.